This is episode number 272 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jessie Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health, and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey friends, welcome back to To Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell. I am so excited to share this conversation with you today. It is between myself and my good friend and colleague, Madison Kleckler. And in this chat, we are discussing all things birth mindset and how to have conversations about birth with our pregnant clients and patients. So if you're working in any fitness, exercise, coaching, or health modality, this is going to be really key for you. Madison goes into a lot of detail a lot of helpful information about how we can consider our language that we use with clients and patients around birth so that they can feel better prepared knowing what might come, what might come up in birth, the options that are available to them, how they might advocate for themselves, but mostly how we can stay a supportive figure for them, how we can stay open, how we can talk about all the options that are available for birth and just stay really supportive and neutral and understanding with them through this process. So I hope you love this conversation. I think it's going to give you some really important things to take back to your practice immediately, regardless of how you might work with clients or patients. But if you're working with anyone in pregnancy, this is going to be a key one for you. This combo is taken directly from our prenatal fitness specialist academy. So I'm giving you a bit of a behind the scenes look at the type of education that you can get in our pregnancy and postpartum coaching certification if you are a pro. And that is timely because we have the next round of the prenatal and postnatal fitness specialist academies opening at the beginning of April. So you can jump on the wait list now to be the first to know when we open registration for our certifications and you'll be able to save yourself some money on that registration. So you can hop over to the link in today's show notes to get yourself on that wait list if you love what you hear in this conversation with Madison Kleckler. Hello, friends. Welcome on to the Prenatal Fitness Specialist Academy. It's Jesse Mundell. And in this session, we're joined by my friend and colleague, Madison Kleckler. Madison, thanks for being here. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you and to talk with you today. We're going to take a look at how we can support our prenatal clients and patients in 
their physical, mental, and emotional health while preparing for birth. And um, we'll really root this in how do we stay within our scope of practice while we are working with pregnant clients and patients and still what guidance, what support can we offer them as they are, you know, getting towards that end of pregnancy, heading into birth, as we're having conversations about birth with them. But knowing that, you know, for me as a kinesiologist and fitness coach, I am not a childbirth educator. I am not a doula. So what can I do? What can our physiotherapists do, our chiropractors, etc.? to be a guide, be a support, but not overstep into something that's not ours to instruct upon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm going to give the people a little mini intro to you, and then I'll pass it off to you to let everybody know a little bit more about where you come from. All right. So Madison Kleckler is the fitness doula. I want to be clear. Before I go on, your pronouns are she, her, correct? Correct. They are. Okay. She is a perinatal fitness expert, women's fitness specialist, and doula. She has worked with hundreds of pregnant and postpartum people to help them build strength and reduce pain and pelvic floor symptoms to have more comfortable pregnancies, empowered births, and easier postpartum recoveries. Madison's goal for her clients is to help guide them through pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond, feeling confident in their bodies and their pelvic floors. Madison, what else do we need to know about you? Oh, this is such an important topic for me. I personally am from Birmingham, Alabama, so the birth world here, not super fantastic. And I personally experienced a very traumatic first birth. Um, and after my second is when I took Jesse's course and that's kind of when this whole thing steamrolled and where I started working with pregnant and postpartum clients, there's so much that is tied to birth and to the messaging that is surrounded, surrounding pregnancy and birth in general and what that looks like for people and how they gauge their success through these phases of life. Um, and so that's where I kind of thought, you know, this, we need to add a little bit more to this and bolster this support because particularly where I am located, it's so needed, this kind of support. You're not getting it in the general hospital area. Um, and so that's kind of when I added on the doula situation and began this growth to where I am now. So it's been really awesome. And it's been really great to serve these clients. That's so cool. I think the way you have comboed and some other students that we have worked with have comboed fitness coaching with doula work is genius. So smart, so needed. I just love it so much. So can you just tell us a little bit more about how you actually work with clients, maybe in combining the fitness and doula work together? Yeah. So this was actually something that was really hard for me to figure out for a long time, which may be really surprising, but it felt like there were very, there were two very different worlds for me going through two births where they were very medicated. Like I did not want a natural birth going into doula work felt kind of like I was a fraud because I hadn't experienced that. And there is such 
a, um, a split between the worlds. Like the people that I worked with on the doula side were very natural, everything. They were more prenatal yoga people. And the world of fitness was just like, was, there was a disconnect and they also are not offered any pelvic floor education. So for me, like putting it together took a lot of mental work. Um, and it took a lot of years to figure out where exactly those two fit in together. So currently the work that I do with people is all online. Um, and I'm developing more of a, um, fitness doula membership where they will go with me through say six months or so I'm going to make it a continual thing, but we do monthly calls. So when I was pregnant with my third, I was a part of group prenatal care, which is where we had all of our prenatal appointments together. And we came in with a group of people do at the same time that we were, and we were offered more education. So it was like a two hour meeting where we'd meet with our midwives and we'd meet with the nurses and we'd learn about birth and we'd learn about our choices and our options. And so that's kind of what I wanted to bring into the fitness doula experience and the, the space between fitness and doula work is meshing the things that we can do for our bodies the exercise stuff that can help us have a more comfortable pregnancy with the education side, because it's so important going into birth to know your options. So that's kind of how I brought it together personally was kind of meshing the two of realizing that ex exercise, yes, is important for moving our bodies and for helping us have more comfortable pregnancies, but that we can also mesh this with the education and preparing mentally for birth as well and for postpartum life. Oh, so cool. I love this. We're going to have to talk about the specifics of the business more because I want to hear all yeah. the details. <laughs> okay. So something that I really want to get your take on is that generally messaging about prenatal exercise in the fitness industry tends to be about training for birth. And I think that we're starting to see this shift more, but also I realize when I step outside of my bubble and outside of colleagues like you, that the training for birth message around pregnancy exercise is really still what we see for the dominant messaging and marketing. Is this useful? Is this accurate? What do you tend to focus on maybe instead or in addition to this? Yeah. So I think there's a, of course, there's a lot to this topic. I don't necessarily, you know, I never use the language train for birth. I don't really think it's accurate. I think there are some people, there are some instances where it's very helpful. If you're going into a natural labor, yes, you want to prepare your body a little bit for birth because you're going to be in physically taxing positions. And same if you've got an epidural, um, because you can move around and there are things that you're going to have to do with your arms after you've had a C-section or after you've had an epidural, after you've given birth in general, it's going to be hard to lift yourself up. So working on that strength can help you prepare for and train for birth. But I think as it is talked about now, it's more training for like training for what your body's already going to do. Like you don't actually have to teach your body how to birth a baby. It knows what to do and medicine is there in case it doesn't like, there's nothing that we can really do to make our bodies know what to do. It's more about preparing yourself for the demands of pregnancy, late pregnancy, whatever your labor or birth experience may look like, 
And then the postpartum demands, because that's where we really see like issues coming up, back pain, hip pain, tailbone pain, things that we can start working on in pregnancy and train for or prepare ourselves for to get our bodies a little more ready for those changes that are happening in the postpartum period. Yeah, that's super helpful reframing about it. And I think that we do kind of see this messaging in more maybe intense exercise or fitnessy type circles of the fitness industry. And it's like, we need to get so strong, so fit, so conditioned before we go into this laboring and birth experience. And yeah, like you're saying, number one, it's probably not necessary to have this extreme level of fitness in order to go through this birthing experience. Yes. Some strength, some mobility can absolutely be helpful Two, It's ableist in nature to have this messaging. Like people need to train in these ways in order to birth their baby successfully. Like that's not going to apply to a lot of folks who are birthing babies. So where are we tripping up with that as the marketer of these things. And then what I also wanted to talk about was comments like you're so fit. You'll push that baby out. No problem. Which is things that my clients will still hear from folks who are commenting upon their bodies just, you know, in everyday life or when they're working out in the gym, it was things that people said to me as a fitness professional within my first pregnancy as well. I just want to discuss how problematic this can be for people. What's your take on this? Ooh, so, so ableist, like you mentioned earlier, the, I primarily work with people who are in extreme pain during their pregnancies. They're experiencing symphysis pubis dysfunction, pelvic girdle pain, very bad tailbone, things that are keeping them from moving. They may want to exercise, but they can't, they can't figure out how to move safely. And their doctors are telling them, you know, just stay active. Like that'll help. But they're like, well, what do I do? Cause I can't walk. I can't do anything. So not only does it present that issue, because now there's not only the fact that they're in pain during their pregnancy, they're very uncomfortable. Nobody's helping or telling them what they can do or helping them get to a place where they can move. But now there's this added stress of like, okay, well, I can't exercise. So that means that I'm doomed to have a really hard birth and a hard recovery. So what am I going to do? And then on the opposite side of that, there are articles and messages out there that tell people that if they work out too hard during pregnancy, they're also going to have a hard birth. So it's just like these two (laughs) sides of the coin and people just can't win. It's like, okay, well, if I exercise too much and what is too much, because nobody really says anything about what is too much. It's like, oh, if you do CrossFit or I'm a spin instructor, spin instructors were grouped in there too. Um, so there's just so much misinformation and misleading when it comes to that. And I was told this exact same thing too. You're so fit. You'll push the baby out. No problem. In my second pregnancy, not the third where I was a little bit larger, but still in the same profession. And so there's also that it's judging your capability and your ability on the way that your body looks or what you do physically, which we know doesn't, they don't match. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that is so important for anyone who's listening in to really just notice your own biases, your own beliefs and stories about 
first, what you think about bodies, what you think a body's ability is, is how it's related to the size and then how that is related to birth too. We go through this in the course in another lecture, but just really challenging our own biases around bodies, body size, and then the experience someone will have in birth, those things, like it's not causal by any degree. So again, as the practitioner, just continuing to retrain your thoughts, because we all have probably been conditioned in these ways to believe certain things because of certain things. All right. Another language note that I want to get into with you is this idea of natural birth and what that means. And again, as the practitioner, should we be using this language? Is there other language that we could be using? Are we asking people, are you trying for a natural birth? What can we say here? Yeah, this can be so problematic. Um, And I don't think a lot of people really touch on how problematic it can be, the natural versus unnatural. And what does that really mean anyway? I mean, a lot of people say that natural birth is just a vaginal birth, but does that make a C-section unnatural? Because that is a very valid way to birth your baby. And it's an important way to birth your baby. It's there for a reason. Um, And so I think natural can come. And there's, there's a huge thing in the natural birth world where I never really felt a part of as a doula anyway. And I still don't feel that way as a doula. I'm not a natural birth kind of doula. The terms that I use are medicated, unmedicated, cesarean or belly birth, whichever one the client prefers. Um, And I think those are the best ways, in my opinion, to approach what we're talking about. Because again, there's that, there's that attachment of natural birth and worthiness for a person. Like if they didn't give birth in the way that they thought they were going to give birth, like if they planned to go natural without medication and they ended up having an epidural, then they failed. Or if something happened and they ended up having a C-section, then they didn't, they failed. And there's also problematic messaging about C-sections not even being births, which I don't understand. So there's just so much behind it and so many negative messages and connotations and attachments that we can make with that. So I think taking the natural or unnatural part completely out of it and identifying by the type of birth, are you going to have an epidural? Do you want to have medication? What type of birth do you desire? I think is the, that's the question I use more often than not is what type of birth are you wanting to have? Like, what does your experience look like for you? Yeah, cool. And then if a client is using that language of natural birth with you, do you just then kind of get curious with them about what that actually means? Like when you say natural birth, what is that for you? Yeah. Yeah. What does that mean to you? Does that mean that we are seeking a vaginal delivery because that's entirely possible? What is unnatural about another type of birth for you or how, what are your feelings about having, you know, a vaginal birth over a cesarean or having no medication over medication? What makes that unnatural to you or what makes that um, alter your, the way that we're talking about your birth? So it's looking more inwards at what their biases and what their experiences and what they want their experience to be. Yeah, I think that's so important. And 
It's something that I absolutely experienced with my first birth was just feeling like I really got sucked into that natural birth community that I, my education was all in that space. The childbirth education courses that I had done were really like driving down that route of the natural birth. And I believed so much that that was the way that was the successful way. And so then coming out of that experience with an unplanned C-section and remembering back to that moment of being in the recovery room after that C-section and feeling like, how are my clients going to trust me to coach them through a pregnancy, to coach them postpartum when I couldn't do it, when my body couldn't do it? I just, I'm so sad for that version of myself seven years ago, who was having that experience, just knowing what I know now, believing what I know now, challenging all those biases that I had. It just was a hard road, but such a necessary road for me, especially as the practitioner to now be able to have very different conversations with my clients about what their beliefs are and why they might have them. Like you are saying, like, What's unnatural? Why do we have these ideas and beliefs about birth to begin with? Right, right. And it, you know, I've had that a similar experience, um, but in the opposite, like when I had my first baby, I went to the hospital led classes and that's all I thought I needed. But when, when we went to the classes, they asked if anybody was going to have a natural birth and all of us said no, because we had all planned to have an epidural. And that's the only thing we learned about. And so when it came down to me actually going into labor, I was like, oh my God, this is really hard. And what do I, I don't know what to do. And so when we put things in those terms, natural and epidural, we're leaving out a whole piece of the puzzle. Like for me, I didn't know how to handle contractions. I didn't know what contractions felt like. I didn't know. I mean, I knew the very basics. They just told me to call into the hospital and I went and I was in very early labor because I didn't know that early labor could last long or what to do in early labor. And so we're kind of just pushing people out from learning the necessities to feel empowered during their birth, no matter what happens, because that's really, birth is unpredictable. You can't set a plan in place. It's just not going to happen. There's always something that's going to happen that's going to set your plan off of its course. The most important thing when we're preparing for birth is to know your options and to know just the basics of each experience. Because even if you're planning a vaginal birth, like I even planned from a cesarean when I had my third and I'd had two vaginal births beforehand, because if I'm going to go and have a C-section, if something's going to go wrong, I want to know about it. I want to go in like, okay, I've educated myself. I'm not going in blind. I know a few things so that it's not as traumatic on the other side. And I'm not giving myself, like, I'm I'm not putting more guilt on myself because motherhood is, there's a lot of guilt associated with it. Pregnancy, birth, postpartum, all guilt. (laughs) So the most guilt you can take off of yourself about your birth, because you can't control that, the better. Yeah, fully agree with you there. And that was really important to me in my second birth experience too, was planning the elective C-section, but also having talked with my medical team about, okay, if we do go into labor, if labor occurs, 
How long are we going to let this last for? Is there a point where you want to say, no, this is it. I would like to go to the C-section now. And for me, it was just having those ideas and having talked through and walked through those scenarios that felt so reassuring that I wish someone had had those conversations with me the first time around, not only saying like, this is the way it's going to be. And then it wasn't that way at all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm really interested when we talk about preparing physically for birth, can you give us some examples about what that looks like with the folks that you work with? Yeah. Yeah. So with the folks that I work with, preparing physically for birth looks more like feeling more comfortable leading up to their birth, educating them on pelvic floor, um, helping them be more in tune with their body. And part of that is building strength, building strength. It empowers you. And so it's going to empower you for that birth experience because you'll feel stronger mentally and physically for it. Um, But mostly it looks like maintaining some sort of exercise, whether that is consistent or inconsistent, that helps them feel more in tune with their body going into a time where their body is about to change tremendously because you can't really prepare for what, what's going to happen in labor, what's going to happen in birth, but you can bring awareness to your body, to your pelvic floor, to your muscles, to your breathing, to help you cope with whatever happens in that birth experience. Cool. So specifically you're doing some sort of breath type work that's connecting to abdominal wall, to the pelvic floor, practicing positions that they might find useful for labor and birth. Yeah, absolutely. So we're doing um, lots of diaphragmatic breathing, but not only that pelvic floor relaxation is really important leading up to birth. I know a lot of, and this doesn't go like as a one size fits all, everybody's different, but a lot of the time pelvic floors tend to be over tightened towards the end of pregnancy because they're under so much pressure and the muscles like to lock up on you when they're under so much pressure. They like to be like, oh, okay, I can handle this. I'm just going to be tense all the time and it'll be fine. So focusing on that pelvic floor relaxation and mobility exercises, mobilizing in the pelvis, mobilizing into the sides so that you're not getting sticky muscles. Hip flexors are a really big issue for some people during pregnancy. They can go on lockdown. So making sure that we're maintaining that mobility in the pelvis Um, and then adding, of course, that strength work in is so important. Upper body strength is really important no matter what kind of birth you're having. Like I mentioned earlier, your core muscles are not there after you give birth. And so you got to use your arms a lot. I mean, you got to use them anyway, but preparing in that way can help with those physical demands afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. And like we were talking about the preparing for birth, so much of it is preparing for postpartum for the physicality that will come with that. Mm -hmm. It gets intense very quickly. Yeah. Squats and carry work and things that you're doing. I like you're carrying a baby. You're carrying a car seat. They're sending you home with a car seat with the baby in it. That's going to weigh over 10 pounds, depending on the baby. So, I mean, you gotta, and going into that experience, knowing about your pelvic floor and how to breathe when you're lifting that kind of load and what stances you may want to be in when you're lifting that kind of load to help with your pelvic floor discomfort or your pain. Um, those kinds of things can be really, really helpful. 
tell us just briefly what is spinning babies and is this evidence-based do you use it is it useful give us the details yeah so i actually am looking into doing a spinning babies parent educator course because i do think it can be helpful I personally, of course, look at the language of all the things, and I find it to be a bit problematic because there are people who've done all the spinning babies at the end of their pregnancy and still have a breech baby. You cannot guarantee anything. So my personal belief about the point behind spinning babies, it can be helpful to reduce discomfort and pain towards the end of pregnancy. It can be really helpful for loosening up ligaments that can often get tight um, to help baby settle into the pelvis to help baby rotate positions. But again, it's not a one size fits all and babies have their own minds too. Like they're going to do what they want to do. So you can't necessarily control that part of it, but I do think the exercises can be helpful at the same point saying, you know, if you do these daily activities, you're going to get your baby to spin or you're going to have a better birth. I don't necessarily agree with that language behind it. That's really helpful to hear because I know that it's something that so many of our prenatal clients ask about because it is the one thing that will come up on Google every single time. If baby is breech, they want the baby to turn, etc. And I also know that some folks have just been at their wits end with having a baby who's breech. And all the people in the world suggesting do spinning babies, do spinning babies. And they're like, I tried the spinning babies. It didn't happen for me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which then attaches that association of like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my body that it didn't work for me? Like it works for everybody else, which I think, yes, there is some evidence that supports the practice, but we're also not talking to the people who aren't getting those results from it. And I, you know, I'm always sus about things that say this is going to directly lead to this. Like, no, no, it isn't. <laughs> yeah. For that's what I, <laughs> that's what I like about you so much. <laughs> All the critical thinking. We love that. Right. <laughs> I All just right. want to be like, really though? Really though? Yeah. Will it? <laughs> Will it? <laughs> Okay. Last couple of questions for you. Okay. So we talked about the physical stuff, but then I'm also so interested. How do you help your clients prepare mentally and emotionally going into labor and birth? Yeah, I ask the questions. So I often just kind of go off of what I see they're feeling and how they're experiencing things. So if we meet and they seem like a little off, we're going into like, what's going on in your head? Like, what are your past experiences? What are your associations? What are your fears? What is your provider telling you? Um, Like that can play hugely into it as well. And that's where we don't go. I don't even go over my scope with what providers are saying, but you can help your client better work through language that may not be great, what they're hearing from their birth providers. Um, and talking with them through those fears that they're having, because there's a lot of fear when it comes to birth, what's going on in your head, facing the fears 
I mean, they're not going to go away, but talking about them can help you better prepare mentally for what's going to happen, working through all of these things, making sure that they're talking to their partner or their support person about these as well, because they're a part of their birth team. And sometimes there's a disconnect between your partner or support person. And, and I don't want to talk about things with my husband. Sometimes I'm like, I can do all the things I'm fine. Nothing's wrong with me. So asking the questions about like, why are we not on the same page with our partner, with our support person, what's going on in your head and how can we help you work through some of what is happening up there? Because up there really does affect what's going to happen in your birth. And then, of course, we work on a birth plan. We work on a postpartum plan because you don't just stop preparing for birth at birth. It's more about your postpartum experience. Birth is such a short it's such a short period of time in the grand scheme of things. And it always blows me away that we spend nine months, 10 months, really preparing for this birth experience. And then the other side of it, like nothing, we do nothing. So I'm working on a lot of postpartum preparation with my clients, creating an SOS plan. I've had postpartum depression and anxiety three times, twice untreated um, until I went on medication before birth with my third And so creating an SOS plan where we can identify what triggers that depression and anxiety, what's the difference between baby blues and when we're going into a full-on depression, like how can your partner, how can you help you through those situations? So we've got a list of like, what makes you happy? What gives you the dopamine hit? Like, what can you do to get those levels up to help you level out, to feel more like yourself again? because you're being thrust into a situation where you're not yourself anymore. It's you and another person or other people if you birth more than one baby. And it's very easy to lose yourself. So making sure that we're really putting a focus on like, how can you maintain a little bit of yourself? Because some of it's gonna go away. That's just, you're gonna completely change after birth. But how can we maintain some level of self throughout this incredibly, physically and mentally taxing experience. So that's kind of where I put most of my focus um, is mentally preparing for the changes that are going to happen postpartum. But again, we do prepare for birth in these mental ways, working through the fears as well. It's just so, so important. I was looking back on pictures today of four years ago. So I was a week postpartum with Theo and looking at pictures of myself with Theo at that time and just crying, looking at that version of me and so much compassion for myself going through that. It's just such a difficult time. Even if things are going well, they feel okay postpartum person feels okay it is so challenging so I think it's just for everyone listening in to also help your clients and patients to think past that moment of birth into postpartum what do they need how can you support them in getting what they need how can they support themselves having those conversations long before that birth experience comes up is is such a game changer for people It really is because most of the time people forget about the person after birth. They're not asking about the person they're asking about the baby. And so I think preparing people for 
<clears throat> not just what they're going to experience in that incredibly transformative experience of birth, but what's going to happen afterwards, making sure that they know that they have your support when the baby comes out too. Yeah. All right. Last question for you. For those of us who are not doulas, we're not childbirth educators, but we are working with pregnant clients or patients, what else can we do or what do we need to be avoiding when supporting our prenatal clients as they go through their pregnancy, as they're preparing for birth? What is the most important stuff that we do? Yeah. Yeah. So helping them tune in with their bodies, understand what their bodies are telling them, um, and how to use that information, because that can be important going into labor and birth as well. Like understanding what your body's telling you and then understanding the associations with it and how that can impact your experience. And then of course, preparing themselves mentally and physically for these changes, making sure that they are connected with the resources, making a resource list and helping them find places that they can find support because it's not all on you. You don't need to know all the things. I personally am a person that wants to know all the things and be everything for everyone. And you can't be everything for everyone. You know what you know, and only you know that. So you help them with the things that you feel comfortable with. And then if it doesn't feel inside your scope, if it feels uncomfy to talk about, if you're unsure, making sure you have a resource list to provide them with that help as well. Um, because I know in the fitness industry, we can go into this place of like, well, I have to fix everything with the exercises that I'm helping them with. You don't have to fix anything. You just have to be there to support them and understand what the next step is. Like if your client comes to you and they're like, Hey, I'm experiencing pelvic pain now, understanding the background of that, um, knowing how to tweak their exercises and how to talk to them about that. Because a lot of the time pelvic pain world, especially they're being told that it's just normal and it'll magically go away, but helping them, helping them along these situations where it feels like they have, they have no other option, but to just be miserable for throughout their pregnancy. So that's a big part of it is helping people through these experiences, helping them feel like they can have a more comfortable pregnancy. They can feel empowered during birth. And part of that is through exercise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it can be a big helper for people, movement and exercise. So just knowing that our roles in supporting someone in pregnancy with movement as a tool is so powerful. It's a beautiful thing. And I think it's such an honor and also a responsibility to work with folks in pregnancy with movement as the guide. I want to know what are the other professionals that you tend to refer out to most often with your prenatal clients? Hmm. Pelvic floor physical therapists, um, chiropractors, though I don't have a huge network of chiropractors. I don't personally use chiropractic care, but I know that it can be hugely helpful for a lot of people massage therapists, um, body workers in general can be very helpful. But again, I'm always going to be sus about the language they use. So I've got particular people that I like to refer to. Um, so those are the most helpful people that, that I usually refer to public PTs, chiropractors, massage therapists, Let's see acupuncture can be really helpful as well. Um, any birth workers, childbirth educators that, you know, have that on your list as well to refer out to 
because again, being within your scope, sticking to the exercise as the part of the pregnancy you can help them with, and then understanding the pieces in which they need to go elsewhere for, and you can be a part of that team. It's a very important part of the team. And part of that is having other people that you know do the work that they do the best. All right, excellent. Anything else you think we missed or that would be important parting words for people? Mm. Don't get too stuck on the pelvic floor. It's not all about the pelvic floor. It's not all about the right way to breathe. And there, if your client doesn't feel pelvic floor relaxation or doesn't feel something the right way, it's not your fault. It's that everything changes during pregnancy. We just have to adapt and adjust. And sometimes it can get really easy to get stuck inside the box, but also know that you know what you know and what you're doing is fantastic work. So you don't have to have this whole thing of birth preparation exercises to make what you're doing worth it. Oh, that's so good. Perfect. All right, Madison, thank you so much. This was excellent. And I know our folks are going to get so much from it. Thank you so much for having me again. I really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 